0: Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please.
1: Why I didn't get, excuse me, can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well how come
0: they can say whatever they want to me?
1: Oh, it's old talent, that don't work. i just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I wanna be his boyfriend
0: Ready, play. Every player, unless they're from the same household, has to bring their own tennis balls so that you don't touch other people's tennis balls um, with your hands.
1: You can kick their balls, but you can't touch them.
0: I'm going to blush, sorry.
1: Um, Of course, if you're... (laughs) If you're playing with someone
0: in your household, you can't touch those tennis balls. Uh, to, avoid con- <laughs> to avoid confusion between whose balls are whose, you can use a marker, like a sharpie, to mark out to put an X or put someone's initials on them. Uh, welcome to the Ready Play Tennis podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Aldwin. And what you just heard was a little tennis hilarity. <laughs> um... We all want to make sure that we're just holding on to our balls during this time, (laughs) not anybody else's. And you only kick other people's balls. Right. Yeah.
1: You're only allowed to touch the balls of people in your household. Correct. You cannot touch the balls of strangers.
0: Accurate. And you (laughs) should, to make sure you know... The balls that are yours, you should mark your balls.
1: You should. With yes. a
0: Sharpie. With a Sharpie. Which I did just before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm. uh, how's it going? Um, you know what? I should actually be asking... <laughs> That's- I should... I should, be, true. I should be asking you that question to be honest. How so, how are you doing right now? <laughs> so
0: funny story, we played tennis today, which we're gonna get into. However, um I've had a little bit of a challenge since then. Bit of a relaxing morning after took a took a bath, watched a little bit of TV, and we had planned to start recording around twelve thirty house was a little bit messy <laughs> so decided to you know clean up the dishes and i was going to do a whites load which means i was just going to wash some towels and stuff and where i would put some bleach so i wanted to clean up the dishes cuz i have a dish towel as a drying rack <laughs> for some of our dishes this story is way too long i apologize <laughs> but long story short i was trying to clean the dishes off of The dish rack that I had washed and I had washed a pot and had dried said pot and walked around to place the pot on our table and I had to bend over to put the pot on our table which has a little bit of a shelf and I jostled something some nerve or some muscle and I now can barely move.
1: (laughs) I mean the sad part about it all is that The injury didn't even come from us playing tennis today. (laughs) Yes. It came from you picking up a pot and pulling something in your back. And Uh, (laughs) I just feel so bad.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it comes on the heels of us playing tennis together for the first time. Separately, I think for the third time for you and second time for me. Yes. So we're itching and excited to get back on the court. And now I'm potentially going to be out of commission for two or or three weeks because the last time this happened to me, it was literally two or three weeks of sort of sheer torture. And the one story I remember (laughs) that I can share from this was – Walking out of my condo, walking to the elevator, getting ready to go to work, I lived on the seventh floor, was gonna go downstairs. And you know that moment when you're the doors open and you're about to step on the elevator. In this particular instance, about seven years ago, there were two people, two or three people on the elevator waiting for me to move. <laughs> and something <laughs> happened in that moment and I doth not move and I could not move and they're probably looking at me like, what the F are you doing? <laughs> Just get on the elevator, it only takes two steps, but I couldn't move. So oh. that's sort of what's happening.
1: Was that also a lower back issue? Yes,
0: yeah. Oh, so man. this has happened a couple of times to me. The last, the time before that, I remember doing an event in Windsor and I s- was lifting a barbecue and it <laughs> happened, so God. yeah. That's why I go to a chiropractor regularly, and during this shutdown, uh, Dr. Rob has been unavailable because of the emergency orders, and ironically texted me on Thursday saying, I'm about to reopen, would you like to book an appointment? And I probably need three or four
1: appointments. You (laughs) You know what, though? I mean, as devastating as that news is it's kind of in line with how many tennis players live their everyday lives like you know you practice you train you're ready for a tournament and a freak accident could happen and then you're sidelined for i mean fingers crossed because jason is truly the person that i play tennis with most most of all above anyone else here in toronto so like if he's out of commission like I'm watching Dead to Me on Netflix again for like the eighth time. So I hope he heals quickly because I need to be on that court. It's more for me than for him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, you know, if I'm not on the court soon, I might be dead to you. <laughs> 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 we need to play tennis.
1: Right. So uh, so ha- we did that today. Yeah, we did that today. I mean, we were, um, I mean, you and I playing today wasn't the first uh, outing for us on the tennis court. Um, I know that you played on Tuesday, so how was yes, that? I, did.
0: I played Tuesday. Uh, shout out to Marshall who reached out and said, "Do you want to play?" The courts were busy. Mm. Um, the first day of playing in the city, I could, I should have known was going to be a bit crazy. But I like to think that people wouldn't be up at 6 30 to play but they were <laughs> they were and they were in droves and marshall said to me when i arrived at around six forty, if you had arrived at 6 30 we could have gotten on the court
1: <laughs> like underhanded shade
0: yeah but we did get on the court because for some reason somebody came off right away i don't know I, they must've come at four 30 because mm. <laughs> they just came <laughs> off and we were able to get on and, but we only played for 45 minutes cause there were literally three or four people waiting and
1: I had to work. Oh, that's too bad. So what well, about you? I, um, so cam is another person that I play tennis with here in Toronto and he messaged me on the Sunday and cam has this way of like messaging me, but not asking me to play. So he'll message me. Um, i um, A message along the lines of hey I found some secret courts at some undisclosed spot and I'll be like cool and like radio silence for like 15-20 minutes I'll be like girl let's play so (laughs) I said let's play tomorrow which was this past Monday and needless to say we went to these courts out in Scarborough which is not in you know the um, not in downtown Toronto and there were three courts, concrete, but nice and flat, no cracks, um, proper nets. And that first outing with Cam was the hottest mess of tennis that I've probably ever played. Like my body basically said, how do you play? I've never hit a ball in my life. Um, Swung for the fences. It was truly just a disaster. But on the whole, like, COVID practicing social distance and responsibility um, tip. We were really good. I mean, Cam brought his own balls. He brought his pink balls. I brought my (laughs) neon regular (laughs) yellow balls. Though we didn't mark them, obviously they were differentiated because of their color, but we were very respectful of the fact that if his pink balls came on my side, I was not touching them. I was gonna pick them up by rolling them with my finger and my foot with my racket, and then I would balance it on my racket and hit that shit over, and then we would start a rally that way. I mean, it w- we were we were we were very respectful of each other, so it was good in that way.
0: It's funny you say that I always imagined he had pink
1: balls he you know what he they were very bright hmm. bright, furry fuzzy fuzzy. Yeah, fuzzy, right great so and marked. Not marked. Oh, he did
0: not mark them because he is the only one who has pink balls.
1: Exactly. I mean, he he thought ahead and he was like, I'm going to bring some pink balls because nobody else is going to have pink balls. But there was nothing to worry about because those courts were deserted.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, that's good. I mean, perhaps that's because the courts (laughs) weren't officially open yet.
1: On Monday? Correct. Oh, did did I break a law?
0: <laughs> I think you may have, if they were city run courts. But we we don't need to talk about that. That's okay. It's all, it's all it's water under the bridge.
1: Yeah, you know what? Listen, I've always known I've always had the reputation to some degree of being a rebel, and I'm I'm okay with carrying that scarlet letter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no one great. was there,
0: and so but you were not happy with your play was it like your footwork or just sort of an all-around hot mess
1: okay well let me let me tell you something so we've been at home for two and a half months i've been doing yoga i've been walking around the block the same freaking trail for two and a half months and when i got back on the court it's always footwork with me it really isn't about like like th- like the technical aspect of the stroke it's like getting getting my blubbering ass back to the tee and recovering properly i just was like a hot mess i felt like a beached whale rolling around everywhere and you <laughs> and know what <laughs> and everything such as but the second and third time that i was on it was like okay this is better so i was happy mm-hmm. about that
0: and today was the third time so you felt a bit better today on the court
1: I did. I felt I felt better today. I mean, I thought, I don't know how, what you thought about our rallies, but I thought they were pretty decent quality. Like, you know, mm. as if we hadn't spent the past 70 days at home.
0: Yeah. And, you know, full disclosure about Aldwin's game. So he goes back and forth <laughs> and forth and back and then occasionally back and then forth <laughs> with respect to his choice on... His forehand. And um, he's back to one-handed. I am. Yeah, he, he going to try that out again. <laughs> and it was working pretty well today. I think you were seeing the ball better and you were a bit more patient. And I think you said you felt the concrete and how it slowed (laughs) the ball down was helpful. So maybe we just need to play on concrete for the next two months, and then you'll have a completely new... One-handed forehand. Yes, one-handed permanent forehand. Maybe you won't go back and forth and forth and back. (laughs)
1: Like Aaliyah. (laughs) You know what? Listen, the saga that is my one-handed forehand continues in 2020. Um, I started out as a junior with a one-handed forehand. I modeled my forehand after Steffi Graf, the my greatest of all time like of all time um and then when i started playing again in my adulthood Um, particularly at the GLTA, my forehand just deserted me. My one-handed forehand became a a literal hot mess. And so I was like, you know what? I have a good backhand. I like the technical aspect of my backhand. So I'm just going to replicate that on my forehand side. And you know what? For 2017, I became Peng Shui. I won, you know, I won some tourneys. I was doing it. I was doing it well. And then I made the semis of my first A tournament. And you know what? Here's the thing. I know that with a one-handed forehand, you can do so much more. And Jordan, our coach from Supreme... Jordan, wears my racket? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan would be proud because I turned my shoulder. You know, I I fully was applying the turn that he was trying to teach me during our coaching sessions in the winter, and it was working. So I was like, you know what? It's not so hard, Aldwin. Just turn your freaking shoulder, and you can do it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think... Yeah, I think to your point, obviously, we've only been on court three times and two times respectively, (laughs) so we're not quite at the stage where we're hearing the things that our coach told us six or eight months ago in our ear just yet. We're just trying to get back on the court and have fun and, you know, try to follow the public court etiquette, Yes. um, Yes, which, you know, a lot of people don't follow. They don't realize when they're they were on the court before everybody else and people are waiting and they hang their racket, that they should see that and be respectful and get the F off the court so that other people can get on. Cause you, you and I were talking about this on court today. Like
1: we were, should we should we, <laughs> we were.
0: do the right thing and come off even though three other courts came uh, on first so that we can get a few new podcast fans.
1: <laughs> you know what? Like When we were discussing it, I was actively thinking about it as I was turning my shoulder to hit my one-handed (laughs) forehand, And it's like, listen, full disclosure here, if you're playing on public courts, there are rules that people have to abide by. Needless to say, I'm going to be 100% honest. If I'm on the court and it's my time to get off and I want to play, am I necessarily going to afford the information that it's my time to get off? Hells to the no. OK, so sorry, Jason Patterson. I might not necessarily be a, like, you know, a good citizen, you know, practicing my civic duty and getting my ass off the court to let other people play. That's your that's that is up to you to know your information and to ask who is the next person to be off the court. And then we're going to go over there and kick their asses off the court. So
0: Ooh, I didn't realize how juicy this was going to get yeah Um, i I mean so aldwin it sounds like you're part of the problem (laughs) Uh, that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing is what do you guys think Uh, email (laughs) us at readyplaytennispodcast at gmail.com if you think aldwin is part of the problem
1: (laughs) etiquette on the public
0: courts because clearly that's what i'm hearing
1: (laughs) listen there was another problem that occurred today of, of no fault well, I mean, it is Jason's fault, but he did it accidentally. Jason, whoa, nice segue. Okay, now it's getting a bit juicy, right? Because people are like, when are they going to disagree? <laughs> but befo- but listen, before we get there, I do want to give Jason props. Just like just like me, Jason has been working on a specific shot, and I did notice. I didn't share this comment with him yet, but I did notice he was hitting it really well today. My backhand, yes, yes. Yeah, so
0: that's that's what I noticed. Even when I played against Marshall on Tuesday, that that was the shot that was working for me, and it it, it is a shot that I I switch to a slice when I'm actually playing a match, and when I'm war- <laughs> when I'm warming up, I I hit the driving. Vavrenka, one-handed backhand, and I do need to try my best to stick to it, as our coach would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny because when I think about Jason's game, Jason has now developed a really strong forehand, like multidimensional. He can hit that forehand wherever the frick he wants, and his slice is effective. Um, I mean, I don't think that it's effective um, – from his point of view consciously, like he hits a lot of slices that are, um, you know, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? He it, unintentionally short, and it really forces you to get up to the net and hustle your butt to get to that service line. But when <laughs> that's he, accurate, <laughs> but, but when he drives his backhand and he takes his time and he hits it well, like I would probably say that he has a very nice one-handed backhand. So, you know, listen, Jason's my doubles partner. I've always prayed secretly to the Virgin Mary every night during our season. Like, give him a one-handed backhand so that people are not exploiting his sliced forehand just smashing <laughs> me at the net all the time. So I was, like, thankful. I was like, yes, yes, Virgin Mary. <laughs> He's driving his, his backhand. <laughs>
0: remember uh, remember the Virgin Mary came... Uh, speaking of Cam, remember the Virgin <laughs> Mary came in that, in that doubles match in Montreal against Cam and Edsel? When we, I hit that yes. driving, that driving, we were like in the thick of the second set or something, and I hit that driving backhand winner, and you're like, "Where would that come from?"
1: I did. I was like, "Where? What miracle? Did the Virgin Mary just bestow upon us with that clean <laughs> one-handed backhand down the line?" I mean, he can hit it. Okay, listen, Ready Play Tennis podcast listeners, please encourage him. Just even in a match, no more slices. <laughs> Have him drive over the backhand, please. If I can't reach that ball, let me hit a slice, please.
0: But you're right. If I can set up and properly prepare... Sorry, I just got a spasm on my back. Oh, my God. If I can properly prepare for the backhand and the spasms that are going to come a couple times during this episode, <laughs> I should just be hitting the driving one-handed backhand because you're right. I it It can be a good shot for me. I just need to have faith and invest and just <laughs> do it.
1: Who knew th- who knew that this this episode was going to be so religious? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of religious, we
0: love the French Open. <laughs> was that was that a good segue? <laughs> you are just on top
1: of it. I'm oh, yes. so happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we would be in the thick of the French Open, it would be mm, the midweek. Mm-hmm. So Saturday would be round three matches, I would think. Well, uh, I don't, round three, round four, you're right. depending. You're because right. Because they do start on a Sunday. But uh, if it was like the year that I went and it rained incessantly, it's probably still in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> But um, you've been watching some matches. I've been watching some matches. And just, just for a moment, in Canada, we have this channel called TSN. And I just have to say, I appreciate that you're playing these French Open classic matches because nobody's watching any live sports because it does not exist. However... I do not like that you're editing these matches because we Mm. cannot see the ebbs and flows and the dips in play. We don't get that when you edit the matches. So when you start Bouchard and Suarez Navarro at 3-2 and you show us the first set and then you dip into like 3-2 in the second set and then suddenly skip to the third set, I get annoyed. I don't like that. Play the whole match. TSN, play the whole GD match.
1: Yeah, play the whole match. You know, invest a little bit more money in your tennis broadcasting and then block off those three hours and play the whole CSN versus Bouchard. We want to see all of it. We want to see the hot mess. We want to see, like, 99% of her face being teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) How dare you? How dare I? How dare you? Where is she? Anyway, forget it. Forget it. Yeah, she...
0: I mean, she's a consistent quarterfinalist at the Grand Slams. See even, it? you know, even as Bouchard has gone away. We're going to talk a little bit about her. But that was her year, that 2014. So that was the match that I
1: watched. It's beautiful. Which, uh, speaking about one-handed backhands, she has a beautiful one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she she whip it. She whip it. So French Open would have been happening. What's, what are your sort of memories of this? I, what I think is in a, in many ways like an under one of it's it's the underrated Grand Slam in a way.
1: You know what? I, okay, wow! That you really just came out of left field with that comment. Why do you think it's so underrated? That's so interesting.
0: I just feel like people put the other ones on a pedestal before the French Open what i mean it it took forever for you know the television rights for for the french open they were sort of tennis channel nbc a bit of espn but espn owns the full rights to wimbledon Mm. but maybe it's the opposite all of the all of the Broadcasters are clamoring for the French Open, so that's why there's three different ones.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I um, I've always thought of the French Open as being just as important as Wimbledon. I mean, no offense to our friend Tyrone in Australia, the cute koala, but the Australian Open. If you're like a you know a tennis pro and you were the Australian Open, you won the Australian Open. I mean, that's a legit Grand Slam, clearly. But would I rather win the French? Yeah, no offense, but anyway. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a different debate.
0: I think the yeah the Australian Open has has evolved and has become more important but it it did used to be the tournament of the grand slams that the the top players used to skip but they don't skip it anymore because it's legit. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um okay so we're talking about the French Open. Oh, like me- okay, the French Open I really really spent some time last night as i was sipping my nth glass of wine thinking about who defines the french open for me and truth be told i was going to share a couple of players but only one player stands out in my mind and that is steffi graf
0: yeah yeah i mean you emulate her slice so (laughs) continue
1: Steffi is my GOAT. She's my greatest of all time. Sorry, Serena. And um, for all of you tennis fans that do not know, Steffi Graf won the French Open in 1987, 88, 93, 95, 96, and 99. And my first memory of the French Open as a child was in 1990 when she lost to Seles. I was a, you know, eight-year-old boy that happened to turn on the tv tsn in my um townhouse in scarborough and i saw this brilliant ochre colored court and these two women one epitomizing the definition of beauty and grace and the other one just you know just power and um effort and it was like this beautiful balance in a tennis match and that was my gateway drug into loving the French Open and I just want to talk very quickly about my defining moment of the French Open which was the 99 French Open honestly I could go on and on about (laughs) all of Steffi's victories all over the place at the French Open but the 99 French Open was so special for me because as a graph fan as you know 1980 97 and 98 were difficult years for her. She was injured. She came back in 99, and she said publicly that the French Open in 1999 she was just going to use as a practice for Wimbledon that year. Her goal was to win Wimbledon. And ironically enough, Martina Hingis, who she met in the final, said about Steffi at a previous tournament that it was time to change the old guard. And Steffi was like, excuse me, little, little Swiss miss, I ain't having that. She ain't and having it. She ain't having it. And that and Steffi systematically took out the best players that were on fire that year. She took out Davenport in the quarters, Celeste, her number one rival of all time in the semis, which was a huge deal because Celeste was playing excellently. And in the final, she was playing Martina, down 4-6 and I believe 2-4. And there was a call that didn't go Martina's way. She went around the net. All of you podcast um, podcast listeners will know, this was like a turning point in that match. Martina circled, like, she was like, no, that is not the mark. She went to the umpire and was like, no. And she went around the net and was awarded a point penalty and Graf just went away with it. And after she won that match point, as a 30-year-old woman who was the, you know, who was, who was the best in women's tennis for at least two decades, for her to come back and clinch that last French Open slam on what I would argue as the most difficult slam to win because of the grind and the two weeks at her age against a person that said, girl, it's time for you to retire. Iconic. I yeah. live. I live. In,
0: in your, It's an in-your-face moment.
1: In-your-face moment.
0: It's so interesting now because people are playing longer and longer and at an older age. So you got to believe I mean what would happen if s- some of these younger players started to say that about Federer and Djokovic yeah. and Nadal and Serena and Venus who's approaching 40 this year or she's already there.
1: But she g- she got to go. No offense. I love Venus too, but she got to go. But can't she just go on her own terms?
0: I mean, she loves playing. She <laughs> loves the tour. She does. She she made the final in 2017 of the Aussie Open, she, the least important Slam. Her <laughs> not not so much. I've been there. It is a good time,
1: sweetie. She made the final of Wimbledon that year, and she lost to Mugu. She had a set point in the first set, and she lost to Mugu. Anyway, we could again. We could. This is the thing about our podcast. Jason and I are so passionate about our sport that we could go into die tribes that you know, go into tangents and such. But anyway, I want to know what is your French open match memory person? There's, it's so
0: interesting. <laughs> the French open is one of those tournaments that I admittedly, like I said, it's, it's sort of the one that maybe I, I didn't pay as much attention to until later on in my tennis viewing career I sort of loved Wimbledon and would lock myself in the bedroom and watch Wimbledon for the two weeks and nobody would disturb me because I, <laughs> I did have a TV in my room but you know I I liked if people follow us on Instagram I, I had posted some of the players that I liked watching which was Mats Wielander mm. and that you know that's speaking to my age and speaking to the fact, fact that I might pull a muscle in my back putting up <laughs> trying to put a pan away you know those sorts of things happen um and we we could talk about how nadal has dominated but other shows can do that just fine i have always sort of seen the french open as a place where underdogs sort of find mm. their moment yes you know you think about the fact that maria sharapova was always seen as a Woman who had bludgeoned the ball and was never seen as a clay court specialist, but then she won in 2012, and she made it deep in 2013, and then she won again in 2014. So I just thought that that was super cool. Schiavoni is sort of my favorite underdog winner.
1: You have a you have we I talked have to, thing. You have a thing. Jason has a thing for Italian women tennis players. I mean, <laughs> J. How many, how many times honestly has jason watched the vinci versus serena <laughs> i kept that
0: i did keep that on my on my box my <laughs> pvr box for a few months after and watched it a couple of times just because it was so it was sort of an elegant match in the way that she played and she hit the ball and she would just move her around and serena seemed a bit confused at times and that was one of those moments where she was going for another Grand Slam and she was trying to I think at the time beat Steffi and yeah so I I I don't know I have a thing for finesse I guess on the court and she Vinci was sort of finesse with her strokes and Schiavoni, had no business winning the French Open in 2010, and she pulled it out. I mean, Stozer sort of blew it a bit, but, you know, Schiavone, small in stature, but big heart. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, you know, you said that, um, you know, a a lot of times these people that win – the one slam Mayoli Ostapenko they don't really back it up with another deep run at a uh, slam and just like you said she made the final the next year she made the final the next year yeah
0: so uh, I heart you <clears throat> Schiavoni. so yeah and then the, you know this week I've been watching a bunch of matches I watched Maria and Vika from 2013 and they have the same pitch in their grunt like it's literally the same mm. so interesting it's pretty much the same if you watch their 2013 french open i think it was the semi-final it's pretty much the same it's <laughs> you could close your eyes and you might you know because we're tennis fans we'll be able to see whose grunt is whose but almost the same
1: i no i don't think i don't i do no. know <laughs> I don't think they have the same no. grunt. I, I Vinci mean, I said
0: that in 2015 in that interview. No, Vin-
1: Vinci? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, Did, no. Did you think you were going to win? No. <laughs> I mean, Sherpov and Vika both have very, you know, um, distinctive grunts. I could, I, li- I could. Maybe this should be an upcoming segment in one of our podcasts. Like, listen to a grunt. I'm telling you, I would be able to identify the grunts hands down, a hundred percent all the this time. This is good. This is good.
0: <laughs> Tune into a future podcast. <laughs> we will, Aldwin will identify the grunts.
1: Yes. So, you know what? Um, those matches, Schiavone, I remember, I was a big fan of Stozer and she kind of choked it, but kudos to Schiavone. But the one thing that we do have in common is that we both were at the French Open.
0: Yes. Yes. You before me, because you used to live in Paris and teach there.
1: Yes. And, um, I, I mean, I, I told you guys about the fact that when I was an eight-year-old boy, I saw that terre battue, that red ochre, you know, heavily pigmented clay. And when I was living in Paris in 2007, I bought tickets. And at the time, I didn't have any friends that wanted to go, but I made the journey all the way to the southwest suburbs of Paris. And I remember when the woman took my ticket and she scanned it and I walked through those beautifully manicured hedges, I could see the red ochre live and it was truly magical. I mean, I'm really excited to hear how you, Jason, first kind of, experienced Roland Garros for the first time but for me it was magical I was on my own um I mean I I think of myself as Eponine to draw an analogy from Les Mis (laughs) you know that song I'm gonna sing it ready okay no no (laughs) yes don't don't three two (laughs) it's okay I'll save my you know Broadway renditions for for a future podcast but (laughs) Anyway, that day was magical because for me, it was my first friendship. It was my first Grand Slam. Um, I watched a couple of matches that were really fun. I watched um, Caroline Wozniaki versus Deshi. I watched, I watched, I watched Harkle Road versus Venus. And I wasn't a big fan of Venus at the time, but I watched her and I was so in awe of her serve. Her serve was slamming. Like, amazing. That was um,
0: 2007, right?
1: 2007. I watched my ex-boyfriend, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who had won the championship, I think, in 2003, versus this guy named Stefan Kubik. Um Nicole Vaidisova, who recently tried to mount a comeback, um, but I guess that fizzled out, versus Akgul Aman Muradova. Anyone? Well <laughs> <And> done. <laughs> I was practicing that one all night long. <laughs> and the one match that I did want to mention was Yelena Yankovic versus Castaño. I was literally the only person that watched that second round match on a <laughs> overcast day in Paris. And I remember I was on her side of the baseline watching her. And I kept on yelling like "Ale, Ale, Yelena, you can do it. And at the end of the match, she looked at me and she blew a kiss and I I thought that we were engaged like I, 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 I didn't really necessarily love Yelena but you know as a fan to get that interaction with a player is just everything so my <laughs> first my 2007 memories of the French Open were so special I even went to one of the side courts and I grabbed a little bit of the terre battue it's like some of the clay and I kept it as a keepsake
0: I don't think you're supposed to do that <laughs> illegal I think that's illegal That's illegal times, too. You played (laughs) tennis on Monday. You weren't supposed to do that. And 2007, it's going to come back to haunt you. You took the tear to you.
1: Breaking rules all the time.
0: Yeah, that's what we do on Ready Play Tennis Podcast. Actually, just Aldwin. (laughs) Just
1: me. I was watching. Sorry, I was watching. I was um, house-sitting for you.
0: Yes. Yeah, when I went in 2016, you were gracious enough to watch the little Cujo Bear. You can follow him at Sunset Schnauzer <laughs> on Instagram. He's cute. But he is cute. He's 17. He just got his little haircut today, and he looks very cute. But you were very nice to watch Cujo while yes. we flew to Mercury and... <laughs> The wine region and then we went to Paris and my recollection of the trip for the most part was that the weather was terrible.
1: <laughs> wow. Did, ha, did,
0: did I do good with that? I am so Sorry, well. <laughs> I'm
1: so impressionné. I'm oh. so impressed. Yes,
0: yeah, c'est terrible.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the weather was whack. It was not good and we had tickets to the originally what was to be the ladies semi-final on the Thursday which was two days prior to our departure so we saved it for the end of the trip it was very obviously very excited the interesting nugget of this story uh that I've saved for (laughs) near the end, (laughs) is that we brought our moms with us. I think that that's so sweet. Yeah, and we bought our moms tickets to the French Open with us, even though they have no care for the (laughs) tennis. So, we brought them and I do remember the experience as I try to soak in as best I can when I'm approaching any tennis tournament because I do get the, the jolt of excitement and you want to sort of take it all in when you're walking on the grounds. But I was also trying not to freeze my arse off because <laughs> it was June the 3rd, 2016, which, you know, you can fact check me if you want. I think it was a Thursday, but it was a Thursday, the second Thursday of the French Open, and it was literally five degrees. Can't And it was, it came off of... I think two consecutive days of rain. And I think it was the first time ever that the, the tournament was rained out for one full day. So they didn't play any matches on one full day. So they were backed up and our ladies semifinal matches turned into one ladies quarterfinal and one men's quarterfinal, Mm. which was Serena versus you have to, Help me with this (laughs) because you remember, you remembered it. I didn't.
1: (laughs) She's a little feisty nugget, and her name is the feisty Russian, yes, the feisty little Russian nugget. Put,
0: yeah, put Putin Seva, Putin Seva, yes. And she put up a fight. She, I think, took the first set from Serena, but lost uh, the next two. And then we watched Djokovic kill Burdick.
1: Oh man, where is it? did Burdick retire?
0: Burdick is officially retired, yeah. Okay. Yeah. he retired at the Australian Open, I think he came and did the song and dance and oh yeah, he sunsetted without having won a Grand Slam, but made a final.
1: Well, that's nice. which anyway. he
0: made the final a, uh, at Wimbledon <coughs> and lost to Roger. Ah, okay. My back just spasmed.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) I, what did you, I mean, I think for everyone that's a fan of the French Open, obviously the thing that's the most iconic is the terre battue, that that clay. What did you think of the clay when you first saw it?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, is it red? Is it orange? (laughs) It's, it's. Rusty. Yeah, it's rusty. It's just very vibrant. Vibrant is is the word. Everything about the experience, because the weather was so bad, was not so vibrant, but it was <laughs> nice being there and walking r- on the grounds. And uh, and absent the moms, I probably would have had a f- uh, tickets for at least one more day so that I could spend a bit more time there and and take it all in. The most memorable experience for me was sitting in the seats, my mom <laughs> needing to use the facilities, <laughs> never being on a plane really since she was like five years old. And she always tells me the story about how she's flown to California, <laughs> but this was the first trip that she'd ever been on. Cause she and my mom, my dad have never been on a plane together before. And she's like, just gets up, goes to the bathroom. I'm like <laughs> we're probably not gonna see her again. She's <laughs> not gonna know where to find the bathroom. And no joke, she was back in ninety seconds. I don't even know how she had time to wipe. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was shocked. I I'm sure she probably didn't.
1: The the Virgin Mary came down again yeah. for they her. They
0: helped her find the signs, find the bathroom, <laughs> and then she was back up in that seat. And <laughs> the other memory uh, of Wade's poor mom freezing and her lips being purple.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: There were literally people in parkas. It was so cold.
1: <laughs> well, you know, hopefully we won't be in parkas when we're um, podcasting live from the French Open in a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. A whole yeah, long 20... <laughs> 2021, Roland Garros, Ready to Play Tennis
0: Podcast. We will be there.
1: We will be there and not square.
0: (laughs) Speaking of squares, are there any squares that you've been following on social media lately in terms of (laughs) the tennis landscape? I think one of the things... see you know we're new to podcasting and we're (laughs) trying to figure out the best way to segue from one topic to the next so we love the french open we're missing it and now we want to talk about (laughs) what people are up to on the social media
1: i mean i think it's only fair to discuss for continuity's sake um our ig on uh, so our our ig ready play tennis podcast and um I did, on the last episode, to play or not to play, an impression of Naomi Brody, who is a British player, um, in her match against Yelena Ostapenko, when, I'm not going to go into the details, but essentially I did a, I did a very good um, impression of her, and she saw our story, and she put a heart around it, and I'm convinced that Naomi Brody um, is my best friend now. She probably doesn't want to send us a private message for fear that we would use that private message and <laughs> I don't know make some I- inaccurate you know details about her. But in all, I did an impression of her and she loved our she loved our impression. And so I she ha- she gave a laugh
0: emoji. Actually, did she? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, didn't know gave that. The, Yeah, no, she gave the 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 sort of laugh emoji.
1: And and on that same vein, when we were talking about um, our French Open memories, we posted on on our IG some photos from our respective years that we went to the French Open. Ak gul Aman Muradova, she she hearted that story. Oh, that's <laughs> such a mouthful. And so did Nicole Vytisova. Mm-hmm. So you know, but, you know those ten- these tennis pros are watching us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're watching, they're, they're paying attention and (laughs) you know, we got, we got to grow that, that following and get people to listen to our podcast. And I, I've been sort of trying to play around on our Instagram and commenting on different posts. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, on my commenting, (laughs) you know, you and I have different skin tones, um, (laughs) (laughs) Do we? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, do a little clap and then I, I have your hand color or what I believe to be a close proximity of your hand color. So I wrap our our comments around some
1: hand claps that are yours and mine. I, I am going to say as a POC person of color doing a podcast with a Caucasian person that happens to be my best friend. I appreciate that. And I, that is a sign of solidarity. So thank you for recognizing my skin color, even when we're on IG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So um, I commented on Leila Fernandez's post about d- missing the French Open. And she hearted my comment.
1: She did. Who is Leila Fernandez, for all those people that She's don't know? She's our Canadian future champion. She is. Yeah. Le- lefty... Filipino heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I did that just for you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I she I love our our Canadians. And you watched <laughs> like I did, the Tennis United episode.
1: I did. So episode seven of Tennis United, hosted by Anything Is possible, and mm. this I, I actually really like that adjective for her. The spunky spunky <laughs> <laughs> Bethany Maddox Bethany, <Madiksen. laughs> Bethany. Um, They b- both had Milos, Bianca Milos Raonic, Bianca Andriescu, Jeannie Bouchard and Felix Auger-Aliassime Canadian, Canadian tennis players For a game of Never Have I Ever And um, okay, okay Was it entertaining? Sure On an, on the entertaining scale of 1 to 10 I'd probably give it a 4 <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really that doesn't really sound like you think it was that entertaining.
1: I mean, it was entertaining to the degree that it gave me something to do for seven and a half minutes. What did <laughs> what did you what did you learn
0: about them that you didn't know before?
1: Okay, so I just want to let everyone everyone know that. Milos Raunich is a Canadian tennis player that has solidified himself in Canadian tennis history. He is hes major for us. Having said that, having prefaced with that comment, what I learned about Milos in the seven and a half minutes of his time on Never Have I Ever was that he's probably as boring as he is as a player.
0: So... Never will you ever listen to an interview <laughs> with
1: him again. I'm, I was I was really rooting for him to show a little bit of personality. And what I learned about him in that segment is that he's got thirty parking tickets, <laughs> and he and he knows how to string a racket.
0: <laughs> yes. So, and here is what I would say, Milos, if you are listening. <laughs> I think what Aldwin is trying to say is, we want the Milos back who made the final of Wimbledon in 2016. Yes. We want the Milos who took up took up the words of John McEnroe for those two weeks and gave energy and excitement and passion on the court until you made the final when all of that went away <laughs> and you, you didn't show any passion. And I remember John McEnroe wanting you to sort of give the energy that you were giving all those two weeks. And maybe those British fans, you know, cheering for Andy <laughs> took that energy away from you. But I think if you bring a little bit of that back, people will want to tune into your matches.
1: Yeah. You know what? I like that. That was a very good connection that you made because you're right. John McEnroe did make those comments. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Felix Auger-Yessim is just like a cute little boy. Man, sorry. And, you know, he does his He's 19 now? 19, plays Mm. ping pong. Um, You know, he has a very pleasant disposition. So kudos to him for just keeping it cool. Bianca, what did you think about Bianca on that?
0: Bianca, I do like her. I do think she didn't get To show a bit of her personality, and she was in a dark place. She was in, <laughs> like, li- she was literally in a room where you could barely see her face. <laughs> she,
1: it, it seemed like she was in her parents' basement in Thornhill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the $3.8 million she won at the U.S. <laughs> Open could not buy an extra lamp for the basement.
1: <laughs> but I, I don't know if you got this impression, but Bianca is definitely. She is fully her age, teenage girl, happens to be a Grand Slam champ. Um, She did say in the very last question that was given to all of them, have you ever used your celebrity to make a reservation, I guess, at a restaurant? And she was like the first first person to raise her (laughs) hand. She's like, yep, did that. Yeah,
0: and I bet it was her mom that asked her to do that. (laughs) So I I love her. I love watching her. I loved watching her in the final and seeing her composure in in the midst of those 20,000 fans wanting Serena to win her 24th, and I look forward to seeing what she does.
1: Yeah, that just gave me shivers. I mean, you are the dark horse. No one wants you to win, and you kept your shit.
0: Mm-hmm. In her first
1: Grand Slam final. Right. Um, I'm curious to know what you thought about Jeannie and that. You know,
0: <laughs> I wondered initially why she was there. In play- <laughs> that is, like- <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I, I can't. <laughs>
0: I wondered why why she was there (laughs) in place of Dennis. Right, right. However, (laughs) she is a big tennis star. And, you know, this week, having watched her French Open 2014, you know, when she was on the rise and she was putting people on notice, I want to... I want her to come back. I have yes. warm feelings for her. I feel like people have maybe written her off a bit and yes. put her in the on a corner cova category. Yes. On a corner Cova category. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want her to have that sort of ruthless aggression and intensity and, reckless abandon that she had in that 2014 and sort of parts of the 2015 season. Mm-hmm. But she she has 2.1 million Instagram followers, so
1: she's got that at the moment. I just hope the tennis comes back. I mean, I see Jeannie as kind of like a Jennifer Capriotti. Like Capriotti had a situation where she was like stealing shit at like the mall and then she got her life back in check and she won A couple slams. I think Jeannie has got it in her. And truth be told, you know, there's so much in the media that plays her off to be the villainous on the WTA, like that classic handshake or that non-handshake in that Fed Cup match. And she does have this reputation for being an ice queen. But I do like Jeannie. I I don't even like Jeannie just because she's Canadian. I like Jeannie because she... In that little seven and a half minute split, she really showed her personality. And I do agree with you, Jason. She can come back and she can refocus and she can have that season where she made, what was it? Two slam finals. She made uh,
0: the Wimbledon final <coughs> where she got destroyed by Kvitova mm-hmm. and hopefully over <laughs> soon. See what I did there? <laughs> you knew I was going to try and squeeze that in. Kovitova. <laughs> covid over so we can get some tennis <laughs> <I can't. laughs> she made the um, aussie open semi-final yes that's when she <clears throat> talked about wanting to date justin bieber right which you know there's a whole thing about women asking women who they would like to date that's a bit annoying mm-hmm we don't need to do that. Just talk about how awesome she, how awesome she is on the tennis court. Then she made the semifinal in the French and the final of Wimbledon. So we want – Jeannie, if you're listening, <laughs> please, we know you can do it. We know you got the fight. We know you yes. got the heart. We know you can hit the ball wherever you want, that one-handed forehand, that two-handed backhand. Yes. We know you can hit fewer double faults. <laughs> <laughs> that Suarez Navarro match, she had so many double faults. Even on match points, she had double faults. She can fix that serve, and she can, we we want the Genie
1: Bianca rivalry. That's what yes. we need. Yes. Wow, you really just put it out there, girl. Mm-hmm. We want the Genie Bianca rivalry, and I know that you guys are friends, but there's. Like, listen, if Jason and I can be best friends, but still be bitches to each other on the court. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? Maybe you guys can do the same, but like in a nicer way.
0: Yeah, yeah. friendly competition. I think you guys, they had a match against each other at the Rogers Cup.
1: That's right. And Jeannie took the first set. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that was our little social media spiel. I just I'm listen. I'm very proud because I have for the first time prepared in honor of Roland Garros 2020, which is maybe gonna happen, maybe not gonna happen. A little trivia game that our friend Jason doesn't know about at all. Oh and dear! It's, and it's a game called Qui veut être un champion de Roland Garros which translates to, who wants to be a French Open champ? Do you want to? I wanna do. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, um, just to let everyone know, this game that Jason is about to play is modeled after the Who Wants to be a Millionaire game. The game is, con- consists of four questions, and for each question, you will earn the equivalent of a tennis point. So answering question number one correctly will get you to 15 love or at the French Open, can 0 <laughs> Second question, 30-0. Third question, 40-0. And fourth question, champion. Or champion.
0: Hopefully my back holds up during this game. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: because there are only four questions, there are only two lifelines that Jason can avail of. There is the 50-50 in which half of the options are eliminated and phone a friend. So Jason is able to call a friend, ten- tennis knowledgeable or not, and ask that person for the answer. So, oh dear. <laughs> are, are you getting nervous? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay, so Jason, we are going to play Qui va être un champion de Roland Garros? C'est parti. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm very impressed That was yeah. on the money Unlicensed, but here we go <laughs> Okay, question, numero un. question number one In our fourth round match And by our, I mean you and mine On our fourth round, fourth round match On court, Suzanne Langlant The French commentators on television Note that you hit a spectacular Amorti What is that? Is it A, a lob, B, a backhand, C, a drop shot, or D, a smash? I'm (laughs) going to eliminate the system.
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm going to eliminate backhand right
1: away. Okay, so you're not going to use a lifeline, but you're just going to eliminate that response.
0: That's correct. Can you uh, give me the term again?
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so the term is Amorti. A M O R T I. Un Amorti. Oh, okay. Un Amorti. The remaining answers are A, a lob, C, a drop shot, D, a A smash.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna go with C, final answer. C,
1: a drop shot. Is that your final answer? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I mean, I said that.
1: (laughs) The correct answer is C, a drop shot. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Never heard that term before in my life. (laughs) Cans zero, 15 love. Okay. Yes. Going on to question number two. Who is the youngest woman ever to win a French Open singles title in the open area, in the open area, (laughs) in the open areola? (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) In the open era. Is it A, Steffi Graf, B. Yelena Ostapenko. C. Monica Seles. Or D. Eva Maioli. What's C again? C is Monica Seles. Hmm.
0: I know it's not Ostapenko. She was 20. That seems older than one would think. Because the women to win Grand Slams at a younger age. Yes. Eva Mayoli. Oh.
1: Listen, mm-hmm. you, ha- you have... Um, I have the have, 50-50. You have two lifelines that you can avail yourself of. I mean, I'm not sure whether you're able to avail yourself of the call a phone a friend. But <laughs> right. Can I just phone you? You can ask me.
0: <laughs> um, I guess in this case, I'm going to go with my Gut. Oh, even Mayoli, that's a tricky one. I don't know. Ugh. I'm a little temp I'm a little tempted to go with that, but let's do I'll do the
1: 50-50. So your remaining answers are A Steffi Graf and C Monica Sellis.
0: Monica Sellis, final answer.
1: And the answer is C. Monica Seles. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) You are correct. Tante Zero, 30 Love.
0: Admittedly, I wasted a lifeline because that was what I wanted to say.
1: I know. You know what? I threw in that Eva Mayoli because I know that would mess you up. (laughs) You threw in a ringer and messed me up. Okay, question number three. And as you know, just like in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the questions get more difficult. (laughs) Question numéro three. That means question number three for all of you (laughs) (laughs) non-Francophones.
0: We have so many French listeners, everybody knows.
1: Okay. In what year did the French Open award equal prize money for both men and women in all rounds of play? Is it A, 2007? B, 2008? C, 2009? Or D, 2010.
0: Oh, my God. This is so difficult. I mean, in lieu of phone a friend, can you just give me another (laughs) 50-50? Sure. Sure. They're so close together. I do... Kind of believe that the French Open was probably the first tournament
1: to do this—the okay. first Grand Slam. Yeah, you know what? Uh, what I would encourage you to do is instead <laughs> of <laughs> instead of going straight to the lifeline, why don't you talk it out a little bit? Yeah. Yes, those four years are consecutive. Yeah. Um, but maybe not helpful.
0: T- <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that the French Open would have been the first tournament to do that. Okay. I do believe that it maybe wasn't as soon as those earlier options however okay but I'm gonna throw I'm just gonna throw an answer out there and see what sticks and I'm cu- I'm wondering if you just stuck with all c answers so I'm gonna pick <laughs> C.
1: 2009. uh, Wait, 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 (laughs) wait, (laughs) wait. Is that your final answer? Or are you going to... Are you going to (laughs) use a lifeline? (laughs) Uh, That is my...
0: 2008 is my final answer. B.
1: The correct answer. (laughs) Oh, my God. The correct answer is A. Oh. 2007. I'm so sorry. You were not a champion de Roland Garros. Oh. But you can I try the final question? Absolutely. You, I mean, I guess the equivalent would be like you would have made the semi final. Yeah. Okay. Okay, question. I just o- like my GLTA career. <laughs> <laughs> so Although I made two finals. <laughs>
0: Just just for the record Just not a winner <laughs> <laughs> I've just never been a winner
1: <laughs> Okay, question number four <coughs> Would have been The men's singles champion is awarded What is called the Coupe des Musquetaires mm-hmm. And symbolizes four famous French tennis players Who together make up, in English, the four musketeers Whom among the following four mm-hmm. is not a member of the four musketeers?
0: Ooh, juice.
1: (laughs) Your choices are A. Jacques Bunion, B. Jean Borotra C. Marcel Bernard and D. René Lacoste (laughs) I'm going to say
0: Lacoste. D. Final answer.
1: No. Oh no, sweetie. No, sweetie. René Lacoste was part of the original four. Oh. That's okay. I mean, you, you're only sponsored by Lacoste. <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
0: Oof. That's a that's that's a tough blow.
1: Thank you for thank you for playing that game. You got the first two questions and you're very um you're very good with your like logical thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a game that I would do well on if I was on that show. I just don't, I'd, I, I, I'd I probably get, you know, there's the thresholds. I'd get to the thousand dollars and then I would fizzle out. I think I wouldn't <laughs> get to the, I wouldn't get to the 32,000.
1: Well, I mean like you were only one year off for question number three. I mean, that's a very difficult question. And like, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, okay, question number three. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to make all of the year, the years consecutive <laughs> to make it <laughs> really hard for him. I'm going
0: to make it hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we're done. Yeah. Another Ready Play Tennis podcast episode. I know. In the
1: books. Our little memoir de Roland Garros, our memories of French, the French Open.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will be nice to see tennis again hopefully the french open happens i mean we didn't even get into the conversation about fans no fans oh uh, who, how the players are weighing into that cuz that is some juice that's, but we that's, have to sa- we have to save that i think
1: i know i think we do um we just wanted to thank everyone again for your continued participation like our ig sending us our private messages um you know participating in our um in our qu- sorry, I'm, like, burping because of this wine. <laughs> 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 um, our votes and our questions. So keep it up and because we love it. We love hearing what you have to say.
0: Yes, and please review, rate, subscribe, all of that, and like such as.
1: Yay! Yeah,
0: so we'll see you next time, people. Make sure
1: to listen and mm-hmm. peace out. I know, next time is probably Wimbledon.
0: Yeah, and next time we will have... Played two matches and we'll have to report back on how we
1: did. Yes. All right. Au revoir.
0: Bye. Au revoir, everyone. (laughs) Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there?
1: And don't forget. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya.